last week, last week we began, our focus, we began on the scandal of the cross. And most of us would say, well, yeah, that was a terrible scandal. But it wasn't in the time of Christ. In the time of Christ, crucifixions were reserved for the slaves and for the rebels. And they were a terrible punishment. And Rome used the, used the crucifixions to send a clear and distinct message. That that message was, you better not go against the emperor. You better not go against us. Because we will make you pay in the most severe way. And that's exactly what happened with Spartacus. When they took 14,000 of the followers of Spartacus and put them up on crosses. It was a horrible thing to have happen. So the Jews and the Gentiles thought nothing noble about being on the cross and being crucified. They looked at that as, that's what a slave deserves. That's what somebody who's a rebel deserves. These people are the bottom of society, and we need to get rid of them, and they deserve what they got. And so they, those people, could not fathom why there were people who would worship someone who had been crucified. They could not fathom how they could put that together. But the believers, to the believers, the cross of Christ was absolutely everything. Everything, the cross of Christ was the great hinge of history. And so they couldn't believe how they could see that and how that could happen. So I'd like for you, if you would, if you would open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to 1 Corinthians 15. We touched on this last time. And so this continues on with what we were talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bible with you, please do that. The words I will have and share with you, and you'll be able to see them. But it's important that you follow along in your Bible. So you grab it real quick. You can be right with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll be happy to have you follow along. I want you to pick up a very well-known passage, at least to many of us. And that passage has to deal with, in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 3. Verse 3. For what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is a unique phrase that he keeps repeating, according to the scriptures, which brings us to the focus of what we need to look at today. As you may recall, and maybe you're learning today for the first time, that the Old Testament will be considered uh, from Genesis down through Malachi. The Old Testament was the only scriptures that they had. And I did not have the New Testament yet because it was still being written. So the Bible, the scriptures that they had was the Old Testament. And the remarkable thing about it is that as the Christians looked at their Bible, at their Old Testament, they saw the cross as being the point of the whole Old Testament story. It was the point. It was the heart of it. And I'm going to share with you why that was important. The Bible is known, the Bible is known as a story of salvation from Genesis chapter 1 all the way up through Revelation 22. It's the story of how God had saved man. The Germans called it Heilsgeschichte. The story of salvation is what the Bible tells us from the beginning to the end. It is in story form, and much of it, 
we tend to pick out texts here and there and we make arguments for, for doctrinal views or for personal views, but the Bible story is actually fulfilled in the whole being from, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, from creation to the earth restored. It's an incredible story. But in that story, in that story from chapter 1 of Genesis to Revelation 22, there is a tragic story of the exile. And that begins at the Garden of Eden. Now, if you recall and follow the story in Genesis 1 and 2, you, you remember that Adam and Eve were given. God created this great world. It was beautiful. They stayed in the Garden of Eden. But Eve and Adam fell when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so as a result of them doing that, they had to be, what we would say, driven out of Eden. They were forced out of Eden. So they had to leave the Garden of Eden where God intended them to be. And they had to leave and move. And we would call that, and we could say that in our context here, that they were exiled. They were supposed to be as God created in the Garden, but they were exiled. They were pushed out because of what they did, because of sin. Sin separated them from God. Separated them so they became exiles out away from where God had intended them to be. Down many years later, if you follow the story of Abraham and the promise that was made to him and that he would be given the promised land, if you recall that Israel ended up in slavery in Egypt when a pharaoh rose over Egypt that did not know Joseph. And one day where was Moses, and maybe the story and how he got there is quite a thing to read in the Bible, but he was out taking care of some sheep. And there in the burning bush, he saw the voice of God spoke to him and directed him to go back to Egypt and to go back and to get the people free. Maybe you're familiar with the story. And so he made his way back. He appeared before Pharaoh. There were, there were the plagues that happened, including the great Passover that happened, in which the firstborn, who didn't have the blood on the doorposts and on the mantle, they didn't have that, marked out under the grace of God. The firstborn was slain, even up to Pharaoh's son. It's a remarkable story, but as Pharaoh ordered them to go, they got their way down and they got to the place called the crossing at the Red Sea. When they crossed over the Red Sea, and it's a marvelous story how they were rescued as they came across the Red Sea, the dry land, and on the other side, and then the Lord had Moses raise his rod up over the waters, and the waters came together, and Pharaoh's army was no more. That was the baptism, Paul called it. It was the baptism of people. They, they truly became God's people. And so he was promising them to lead them to the promised land. They went down to Mount Sinai, if you recall. They went down to Mount Sinai where God gave them the law. He gave them, he organized them as a community. And so he gave them the law. And then he said to all the people and responding to God and wondering what to say, they said, all of the Lord has said we will do. We will do. Well, that didn't last very long. And people who wandered away from God, they got involved with sin, they got involved just like Adam and Eve did not last very long. Neither did Israel. And so God began to send messengers to them, began to send warnings to them. 
that you better keep true to what I have asked you to do. You better be my people. If you're going to wander off like this, and be, I'm going to send you into exile. In fact, the great story of Elijah in the scriptures in uh, 1 Kings 18, it's a powerful story where, where Elijah was told to go and call the people, and he asked the king to have everybody assemble on Mount uh, Carmel. And it looks over the Mediterranean Sea, and you can look and see where the spot was. He called everybody up there, all the people to come up. And the prophets of Baal were there. And so now he's calling, and he makes this proclamation. He challenges Israel to, Elijah went out before the people, and he said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Are you familiar with the story? And as a result, they danced around, all of them worshiping Baal. They thought, oh, this will be great. They thought fire would come from Baal, but it didn't. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Elijah prayed. And if you're familiar with the story, the Lord sent fire down. The Bible says fire came down from heaven. And not only burned the sacrifice, not only burned the water up that had been poured over, but also burned up the stones, completely obliterated liberated the altar. So the Lord has sent lots of warnings through his servants, the prophets. He has done that a lot. But they got involved with Baal worship. And eventually God, patience was over. And he got and sent the Assyrians and the Babylonian army came down and Jerusalem fell. And they were taken into exile. And see, the promised land, they moved from the promised land God had given them to be his people, and they were taken to Babylon into exile. Now, I'd like for you, if you possibly could, to see the pattern here. See the pattern that happened. You see, Adam and Eve, they were in the garden, and because of their sin, because they had disobeyed God, they separated themselves from God. They hid themselves, the Bible says. And therefore they had to be exiled from the Garden of Eden. Israel, because of its involvement with Baal worship, had wandered away from the promises they had made to God. And therefore they had to be exiled from the promised land. It's a remarkable, remarkable repeating of the story. In fact, Israel, pretty much except for some short periods of time, remained in exile with somebody else always over them for centuries. And so they, they had that, and at the time of Christ, that's what happened. Rome was ruling over them. But then, but then came the cross. And the cross was the heart of the matter. The cross changed everything. True, it was the hinge of history. No other crucifixion by anybody else, including the Apostle Peter, ever came up to be revered and seen like the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ did something different. I've been enjoying a book I've been reading by the day of the revolution began by N.T. Wright. He's quite a a uh, New Testament scholar in England, and I've been writing, and I wanted to share with you something that he wrote about this very thing. And that is, he said to you, 
But from the New Testament's point of view, okay, from the Christian's point of view, in the New Testament as they were writing, but from the New Testament's point of view, the story was what mattered. Note that. The story, the salvation story, was what mattered. And the story had come into sudden, explosive, revolutionary focus through the death and resurrection of Jesus himself. So, the whole story all of a sudden became sudden, and all of a sudden the, the cross changed, and all of a sudden things happened. In fact, he goes on to say, as many stories and dramas, the shocking ending suddenly made everything that had gone before make sense. Everything that had gone before made sense now. Now the Old Testament scriptures, as they were reading in accordance with the scripture, and now the Old Testament scriptures, so they saw these stories, these promises, these exiles, this whole thing, all of a sudden came, and they saw the cross of Christ, of what he did on the cross, made perfect sense to them, and set them on fire, and excited them. Okay, so now we have to go back to our text that we had originally. Let's look at that again. Now with that background of the story, of the story of Adam and Eve, they, had, they went out, they got exiled, so did the Israelites, they got exiled, and now we come to the cross. And so now, see that in the light of the text. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. See? According to the scriptures. So we can learn two things from that short verse. One, Christ died for our sins. And second, he did it according to the scriptures. Following the scriptures and all the prophets that went before and all the things that were said. Over 300 prophecies proclaiming the birth, life, death, burial, resurrection of Christ. They're all there in the Old Testament. So all these promises that were being fulfilled in Christ going to the cross. So that's why... It was no longer a scandal, no longer a scandal to the Christians because they saw this so clearly and saw it so openly. It made such sense to them as they thought this all through and they were realizing that the Lord that they had been following was, did this according to the scriptures and he died for their sins and for our sins. Now you probably have heard the text that said, whoever commits the sin transgresses also the law. For sin is transgression of the law. True. And we tend to think of that as being the Ten Commandments. But that applied more to also the thing of rebellion against God. And you also may have read in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So follow this. So sin is the pathway to being an exile from God. Sin is the way that leads to being away from God, the exile away from God. You see, when Adam and Eve refused to believe God and they listened to the serpent, and they sinned, they began their exile from Eden because of their sin. They began to leave. That same exact thing, they were in the promised land, things looked like they were going well, they were God's people, and then they got all involved with Baal worship, they got involved with terrible things and making covenants with people they should never, forbidden by God to do, and that became, they started being exiled. In fact, 
As the armies came down from the north, they started taking away first the ten tribes who were all gone, and then finally the last two tribes of Judah and of Israel as they came down around Jerusalem. And they were carried off into exile, including Daniel and his friends. But here it is. We're all exiled from God because of sin. We're all exiled from God. That's why we sense that we are not close to God. We are away from God. It's because sin has done this. Our willful sinning against God. Our separation, our pulling away from God. Our hiding from God. But then came the cross. And the cross changed everything. Changed everything that happened on the process of people moving into exile, all of a sudden the cross provided a way to reverse that and bring people back to God. How could that be? How could that be? How could that happen? Well, if you just slip over to Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is going. He's been out in the water, baptized. He's been out in the water. He's going to start his ministry. He shows up at Nazareth, and he shows up there at the synagogue. They were proud of this young man, you know, he was a nice young man, and so they handed him the scriptures and said, all right, you read the scripture today. And he opened the scripture, and he began to read from Isaiah, and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so the sin, the sin path, the sin pathway, the sin pathway was that that led us away from God, but the cross pathway leads us back out of exile. So, when Christ died on the cross and died for your sins, He provided you the pathway to come back to Him. And by our forgiveness of our sins, by cleansing us of all unrighteousness, by taking away and making us pure, we come back to God and no longer are exiles, but are His children. And we stay with Him. And therefore the Christians understood that they saw how precious the Christ was upon the cross. And it took them a while after the resurrection to really grasp what had taken place. But once they did, they could see how this was all lined up, how it all came from Genesis all the way down. And so they began to write and share and evangelize the world. It is still the same today. That is why it is precious for us today. That is why the cross, the scandal of the cross becomes precious. That's why we worship the Lord who gave his life upon the cross. When I grew up, I was taught this old hymn, the old rugged cross. Listen to the words about the context in which we're looking about being exiled. See how fitting it is as we look at the words together. On a hill, far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross, where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain.
So I'll cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I don't know what's in your heart and what may be happening in your life. Through all this trouble that we're going through and all the stress and all the fears that we have for our friends, afraid to touch things, afraid to go anywhere, afraid what we might get, we can't see. That old cross stands and calls for us. That the Lord is in charge and will know that he has a pathway that he paid for on the cross that you could find your way home. And that you do not have to be in exile, but that you can move towards the great cross of Christ and into eternal life. Because the great story does not end at the cross. It ends at the revelation where Christ will come and will take us home and will give us back our home. For the meek shall inherit the earth. He will put us back like he's designed and therefore we will never be exiled ever again. And we'll be able to talk with the Lord face to face and there'll be no fear, no dying, no weeping, no pain. In the new world that God has called us to do, I invite you, I invite you as you're sitting home, to please make that journey that you can say, all right, I'm not going to be in exile anymore. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. And by faith, I am going to be moving out of being exiled and into his wonderful warm arms. Thank God for the beauty and the power of the cross. Next week we will go on yet again about more of how the cross leads its great power to us today. Dear Lord, I thank you for the beauty and the power of the story that is in Scripture. For it points us to the great, great sacrifice that you made upon the cross to forgive us of our sins and open the doorway that we can return to you, that we can come and be your children, that we can have our exile ended. You brought freedom. You brought the from the oppressed. You brought and opened the doors. You opened the eyes of the blind. Lord, you're calling us all back to where we should have been originally, that we could be with you face to face, that God may dwell among us, that the Lord may be with us every day. I thank you for that great truth and that great power of the cross, for you paying that we could do that and have that way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, I will see you next week on Easter Sabbath.
Thank you.